you know, to me, again, I, I think, I think the, uh, the political answer every every coach is going. Oh, it's just another game. It's not just another game. I mean, it, it, this this is the game. That time it looked like Xavier went into some kind of delay. And now a technical foul has been given to Mick Ronan. You know we couldn't go through this game without a few fireworks. You have never had a kid tell me to F off three times before. And During the game and after the game. You know who that? it was. Same guy it always is every game. There are two sides to the story. There was a reason that their coach was issued a technical in the game. Trey, I saw you walking off the, the court. You gave your coach a big hug. You started waving your hands in the air. How's it feel to win the Crosstown shootout? I mean, it feels great. I mean, it's one of the biggest rivalries in the country. And, uh, you know, just to be able to go three and one in my whole career, I mean, uh, it's a pretty good feeling. Brown against Burton. Brown starting his dribble. He moves in. He pops up. He shoots. Scores! Lenny Brown! Xavier wins it! The Muskies win it! 71-69! And this the UC Bearcats are number one in the country, number two in their own city. All right, you guys probably already guessed it. This week's pod, it's all about the Crosstown Shootout. In this game, it has everything you want in a rivalry. Good teams, good players, proximity, and a boatload of history. In this podcast, we'll take a look at the top four Xavier games in the 1990s. And for this special feature, I brought in Andy Mack Williams, who will interview former head coach Pete Gillen to talk the 1990 and 1994 game, as well as Xavier legends Gary Lumpkin and Kevin Fry to revisit the 1996 and 1999 shootouts. Enjoy this podcast and stay tuned for more Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast interviews. In our efforts to... Uh talk about the great uh, crosstown shootouts of the decade of the 1990s. We go to the man who participated in two of the uh, most memorable games in the, the long history of the series, the 1990 game and the 1994 game. And uh, obviously, I need no introduction, Pete Gillen. And Pete, overall, you were four and five uh, in games against the Bearcats. And uh, uh, especially in the Huggins years, they, Hugs had like NBA quality teams, and you won two out of uh, you were two and three against those guys. Right now, Bob had a great, great talent. He was a, a fabulous recruiter. <clears throat> you know, Nick Van Exel, and they had a bunch of guys. Banks, he was a great player from Jersey, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, yeah, they had great talent. Uh, we had tremendous talent too. But yeah, we were uh, two and three against uh, Bob Huggins' team, and uh, and against Tony Yates' team, we were two and two. So we. Uh, you know, we had some great battles, <clears throat> and uh, you know the the crosstown shootout is and the unbelievable intensity it was unreal. Nothing I've never seen anything like that in my experience. And I was in college basketball for 30 years, 20 years as a head coach, 10 as an assistant at different schools at Hawaii, Virginia Military, Villanova, and Notre Dame as assistants. And there's nothing like it, you know. And um, it was part of the Notre Dame UCLA rivalry back in the 80s, uh, which you know, back when back then, Andy, as you know, there wasn't games on TV every night like there is now. They, they had games on Saturday and Sundays, and that was very often Notre Dame, UCLA, Michigan, Syracuse, uh, Ohio State. You know, very few teams got on, and Digger Phelps, that was a great rivalry, and Villanova, St. Joe's, and the Big Five, Philadelphia. I mean, basketball is a religion in Philadelphia. They love college basketball. <laughs> And that was a great rivalry. Providence, Rhode Island was a good, solid rivalry. 
you know, in uh, in New England, and then Virginia Virginia Tech is more of a football rivalry, but it was still a, a good basketball rivalry, but nothing compared, uh, in my thoughts, uh, to the Xavier Cincinnati rivalry in, in college basketball was was unbelievable. The uh, the hype and the media attention and the fan involvement kept building and building in the crosstown shootout uh, through your games against Tony Yates' teams. Then Huggins showed up, and it went to even a different level. I know that there was always the, uh, uh, in your day, there was always the crosstown shootout lunch where they, yep. uh, the convention center. One year they did it at the Hall of Mirrors at the the Netherlands, uh, the Omni Netherlands. And I, I know I was sitting at a table with a bunch of UC guys. I mean, it was bad placement. I'm sitting with these guys. And Sister Roseanne got up there and did a great prayer, but it lasted about five minutes. These guys were they, they were grabbing their roles, and what, they got really upset about that. But the, the whole hype for the game uh, just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it was amazing, Andy. You're right. Great point. I mean, Skyline Chili, right? They were a great sponsor. So if you were a Xavier fan, you liked the Chili one way. If you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, you liked the Chili, you know, four-way or three-way or whatever. So that was big. Cupcakes used to have that week in, in bakeries, you know, the red and white icing, you know, on these special cupcakes for Cincinnati and blue icing and white icing was made. So, Boston, Boston said, Bakery, Boston Bakery. Yep, exactly. Uh, you know, so uh, the, the bakeries, they were all fired up. I used to put, you know, some of the cupcakes in my pocket and walked out. Try not to let see it, but... Uh, <laughs> Did you, pay, I, I usually try did you declare to, that on your income tax? All the, all those. I got to clear that. No, I pay for it. I, I pay for it. I was thinking about, you know, you know, trying to do a little bit of a muscle job, but I did. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, as you said, it's an unbelievable rivalry. And that luncheon the day before, uh, I was, you know, 250, 300 people at least at the luncheon, and uh, you know, people coming from work, and uh, a lot of them had some association with Xavier. The, undergraduate or graduate school or Cincinnati either way, you know, graduate school or undergraduate, their son or their daughter, or their nephew went there. So <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, it's the only place in the country we have two big time college programs, division one in one city. To my knowledge, there's no others, you know, that you have, you know, other schools, you have smaller division ones or whatever. So, uh, you know, and usually a lot of people in the city have some connection with either university. So it's an unbelievable rivalry and it's, continue to grow and grow and grow and it's, it's certainly special we get to the 1990 crosstown shootout it was at cincinnati gardens it was i think your fifth year in the, uh, running the the xavier program and what a team you had the twin towers tyrone hill Derek strong a freshman by the name of jamie gladden who just exceeded all expectations uh, michael davenport the point guard was jamal walker you had some depth on the team also and uh now, Xavier was uh, a preseason top 25, and uh, and on the UC side of the equation, Huggins, it was his first year, he was playing a football player, uh, Steve Sanders is his shooting guard, he's a pretty darn good basketball player too, but uh, uh, coming into that game, it seemed that uh, Xavier uh, had the upper hand, but Huggins showed us what he was made of, the way he put that team together. Yeah, he did a great job coaching, you know, while he was there, but that game, uh, he really was outstanding. They they ran a delay, Andy. They still had a 30-second or 35-second shot clock, I think, at the time. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong, but I think it was 35. And he used to run like a little store delay for 10, 15 seconds to try to shorten the game. And, uh, you know, he did a great job that game. <clears throat> it was exciting and uh, a lot of intensity. You know, and we had been doing pretty well those 
few years before he got there, going to the NCAA tournament and, you know, doing some damage there, winning a game or two there. And Cincinnati was kind of on lean times. And he was the savior for the Bearcats and come in and, you know, pound Xavier. And uh, uh, it was it was a great game. And, and uh, as you know, we won in overtime. Uh, Brian Grant hit a shot near the end to tie it and went to overtime. He hit a, like a, a stick back. And um, we're down one. And Jamal Walker, you know, we got a, the ball in the corner. I had a bounce play. And we didn't call for him to shoot it, but he let go like about a 22-footer and nailed it. And then they got the rebound, I remember. And, uh, you know, he got the ball out of bounds quickly, got it to half court, and the guy took a half court shot and went in and out, in again, in again, out again, fit again, and it fell off. And uh, we won, you know, by one or two in overtime. So it was a, it was an unbelievable game, but we were fortunate to escape. And, uh, you know, once again, Bob Huggins did a, a terrific job uh, coaching us because we had more talent in that game. Final score in that game was uh, Xavier 90, UC 88 in uh, one overtime. <clears throat> and uh, you actually trailed by six with one minute left roughly in, in that first OT. And uh, Michael Davenport certainly earned his scholarship. He knocked down a couple threes. And then Jamal Walker, the three-point shot was not uh, not his cup of tea. He hits the hits what proved to be the game-winning three from the dead corner where he never roamed to the dead corner. And uh, it was sort of like an inexplicable but uh, positive result there. Yeah, no, it was. It was just, uh, you know, our kids showed a lot of courage and guts by not giving up. We're down six. And Michael Davenport always played with a big heart. He was never afraid. He, he always had uh, a lot of confidence and courage and stepped up in the, in the biggest game of the year in the regular season and nailed the threes. And Jamal Walker, same thing. <clears throat> he had a big heart. He always, you know, he had a lot of courage and guts and, Hit that big three, and uh, you know we we're fortunate to win. But that was that was a great game, uh, very exciting, and uh, certainly the, the fans and people watching on TV and in the stands certainly got their money's worth uh, watching that uh, crosstown shootout. There was a controversial out of bounds play late in the ball game, and uh, Davenport slapped the ball away from I think it was Lou Banks. It goes out of bounds, and UC thought it was clearly their ball. Uh, Huggins went nuts. The the few UC fans that were there at Cincinnati Gardens went nuts. But uh, maybe a, a little bit of luck. But Xavier got the ball back, and uh, the rest is history. Right, and I remember the play. I, I don't exactly know what happened. I know it was a bang-bang play. I don't know if it was off, Lou Banks or not, but that's what they called it. Uh, it was a close play either way. Uh, they didn't have the replay at the time, you know, where they replay it 600 times. The referees, you know what I mean, spread around and take bows. But, uh, yeah, we got the ball, and, and we came down and, you know, missed the shot, ball went out of bounds, whatever, and we got out of bounds a few seconds ago, and Jamal hit that big three-pointer to win it. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, – those games uh, are close, you know, those calls at the end. Once again, I, I honestly don't know who was off, but uh, we got the ball and uh, we were able to uh, cash in and win a terrific game. You know, I, I said I was blocked out on the radio call, so I went with, uh, you know, it's Xavier Ball, obviously, and that uh, that's the way it worked out. Huggins uh, was really browned off after the game, as was uh, their athletic director at UC, Rick Taylor. They chased the referee, Ken Faulkner, who had come from their league. They chased him into the dressing room. They were very upset. The next, the next, the next morning, they called... Uh, WLW and uh, Taylor went nuts on the radio with I think Mike McConnell or somebody about how unfair the call was and I came off the I mean I'd celebrated all night I had to do the morning sports and I was called into the program director's office right after I got off the air doing the the morning shift he said 
Huggins and Taylor want you to report to the Clifton campus, to Bob's office, with copies of the tape to to review what you said in the game. And I said, hey, those guys can have all the copies of the tapes. They they can have a whole basket full of tape. I'm not going up on their turf. Uh, They don't sign my paycheck. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, forget it. I'm not not doing it. I mean, and... and, uh, Good for you now. You you know, they don't pay your your bills. They don't pay your salary. No, hey, it happens. I mean, it was just a bang-bang play. It could have been off his foot. I, I, once again, I honestly didn't see it. I was near it, but hey, it happens. You get good calls and bad calls. You know I mean, and uh, like I said, uh, the referee was from their conference, right? Yes, he Not was. one of he our was, guys. He was a guy from the whatever conference they were in at that time, the Great Midwest or something. I mean, you know, I'm sure yeah. Hugs, uh, you know, Hugs uh, uh, worked a lot of games with the guy and, you know, gave him a uh, a few steak dinners at Jeff Ruby's or something. And, and anyway, and I remember the final line I said to my programmer, hey, and by the way, the bottom line is we won. You know, I'm not going up to get excoriated on their turf. Let's move on to 1994 quickly. And uh, another game where Xavier was uh, uh, an underdog playing at Cincinnati Gardens. And uh, you still had a great team, though, um, Brian Grant uh, had a uh, had a terrific year. He later, later became a high first round NBA draft choice. But all through the game, and you know, we were we were concentrating on the court action. But you couldn't uh, resist, or uh, uh, pre- you couldn't be prevented from watching the interplay between the huddles during the timeouts, uh, the benches during the game. It, it really seemed to get nasty there between uh, your players, your coaches, their players, their coaches. It, it was a the level of venom in the shootout was at an all-time high there. It was, Andy. I don't like to talk too much about it, but <clears throat> but briefly, you know, without pointing fingers, both teams were, you know, again, once again, we're balking each other. Both benches, I guess, were balking each other. <clears throat> there was, uh, you know, a lot of intensity. And uh, <clears throat> once again, it's two schools that are very competitive. They want to win. Both teams were very good, you know, and it was unfortunate. It's a game, you know what I mean? So, uh <clears throat> You know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, really some ire there and people screaming and yelling and every call, you know, the intensity was off the chart. So it was too bad. It shouldn't get that way, but <clears throat> both sides are guilty. You know, I'll send them, you know, you know, yelling and stuff at each other and the, at the, you know, at the players and players are yelling at the players and benches are yelling at, you know, so it was a little bit out of control. Andy. I, I agree, but without going to great detail and pointing fingers, no, I don't want to do that, but it, it was all-time uh, uh, intensity and, uh, you know, uh, animosity. <clears throat> you know, I'm an equal arbiter in these things, but I'm going to take the Xavier side. <laughs> you are. You know, your your coaching staff, there were a bunch of choir boys. I mean, you had Louis Orr, the gentleman's gentleman, Conti yeah. Samus, who really appreciated being at the D1 level, a great human being. And then there was Bobby Gonzalez. Well, Bobby might have been a little suspect, but – you know, he might have been a little feisty. He got blamed feisty. for some stuff, but I, he he claimed that he was innocent, and he he says he was exonerated in, in the, the court of law back uh, up in Binghamton, New York, where he's from. So uh, he he claims he was he was free. So, but there was yeah there was you know both benches were you know firing uh, different adjectives at each other. So that, that's that's no place for that. Were they adjectives or expletives? I I don't want to get into that. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. No, gonna I don't want to. You know, we want to. Happy and <laughs> everything, but, but I, know, uh, I know you buried the hatchet with Huggins. That's all resolved. But Xavier won the game. That's the bottom line. Brian Grant scored on a stick back to force overtime, and then right. 
Then, then your three-point shooting took over, and you won 82-76 at OT. And uh, a guy we, we all expected to hit those, uh, those deep-water wing threes, Jeff Massey, the, the, the junior college player from the Toledo area, came, came up big time, and Steve Gentry hit a three. Exactly, exactly. And as your first point, you know, Bob and I are fine now. You know, uh, as you mentioned briefly before, uh, I did uh, a West Virginia game when they played. I think it was at Duquesne. So a week before, they had a game there in West Virginia. I went over there, invited me over to his house afterwards. We had a couple of beers. And, you know, it, it, we're fine now. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's a tremendous coach. And just the rivalry, sometimes things get out of hand. But getting back to the game, um, yeah, it was a, a tremendous game. And, uh Massey's uh, a terrific player. He had a great – I only coached him one year, but he was a tremendous player and uh, a lot of courage. And uh, Steve Gentry, a little bit like Jamal, was more of a penetrator and a facilitator and, you know, could make the pull-up shot. But he wasn't a three-point shooter. And he, he nailed the big three, I remember, in the game right in front of our bench. It was, you know, I said, no, no, yes, thank you. I like that, you know. But uh, he, he, uh, he's a gutty little guy. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a, was a great win. <clears throat> and once again uh, – they had been the three in a row, so we, we, we needed to get that one back on, on the legend. And they call it the no handshake game, and uh, Hugs refused to shake your hand, I guess, at the end of the game. I remember you came off, and uh, you're, you're, you know, you're a volatile, uh, mercurial Irishman, and I've never seen you that mad. You actually pounded the table, and you put the UC broadcast, the radio broadcast, off the air momentarily. You did, yeah. not, you did not bother our feed, thank goodness. And I, I appreciate that, but but you regrouped. I know you and Hugs talked later that week on the phone, and and uh, the media went nuts uh, the, a couple of games after a couple of days after the game. But every everything everything sort of smoothed out. Yeah, everything was fine afterwards. Yeah, we talked, Bob and I, a couple of days later, and uh, we both said, "Hey, sorry, you know, apologize for the you know the, the histrionics that we both did." And uh, we talked, and it was amicable, and. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we were fine afterwards, you know, it just, that happens sometimes in emotion of the game, you're going to get carried away. We both did, you know, you know, what's amazing about when we played them, Andy, there's such intensity every time we played UC, such build up to the game, as you mentioned before, such, you know, uh, high adrenaline, but the game afterwards, right. It was very difficult. No matter who we played, no matter where we played, it was tough to get up. So the first year we, we played, it's the 85, 86, we played, uh, you know, Oral Roberts, the next game. Ted Owens, the famous coach of Kansas for a while, and then he was at Oral Roberts in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We played with down 10 in the first half, you know, because we were just flat, and, you know, we had won the game three or four days before, but we were, had no energy, and fortunately we came back and won. But that game took a lot out of us, you know, and, and it was it was tough to get going for the next game, win or lose, because we just poured our guts on the court during the, that and I remember the game after the 1994 no handshake came. You had a league game at Evansville, I believe, and uh, mm. B. B. Grant had a sore knee. I don't think he played in that game, and you lost by like 30, 28. You're right. I mean, we got was, killed. It, yep. it was, it was, Brian didn't play. Brian Grant didn't play. His knee was bothering him. Whatever. But, you know, Evansville's a physical team, so I guess he, and, you know, the Cincinnati game was physical, so his knee was bothering, him, so he didn't play. And, we got our bell rung uh, at Evansville. It's a, a big rivalry. Jim Cruz, a tremendous coach, the coach at the time. So, yeah, uh, that happened. So uh, that game was so big. It was, once again, uh, the game afterwards was always dangerous. And uh, without our All-American big guy, it was a very tough challenge uh, playing at Evansville. And then later in the year, I don't know if this was Crosstown Shootout, the Hangover or whatever, 
you, you lost, somebody lost their mind and scheduled St. Francis of PA in Loretta and in the middle yeah. of a snowstorm. And they were, they were like 382 in the RPI and there were only 381 teams. And we... Andy, you're supposed to have amnesia. You're supposed to have amnesia the games we lost instead of open wounds. Yeah, I remember the game. St. Francis, my, my brother went to St. Francis PA a long time before that, a younger brother. But yeah, we played there and, you know, it was an ice storm. We were going up the hill, and, uh, you know, on ice. We almost slid back down. And the bus, the, the know, story was that the bus, <laughs> the bus went into a snowdrift on the way back from the shootout or something, the, the day of the game. And you got up and said, scholarship players stay on the bus, walk-ons, and Mark Smidra get out and push. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. That, that, that sounds like a, a little bit of a... Uh, uh, exaggeration, a little hyperbole, but I, I probably have something to think about in the future. My ball league team that I'm coaching, but uh, yeah, that, that was a, a tough game. I forget who we were, we we're missing one player, but there's no excuse. They, they well, just played great. Sherwin played... Anderson couldn't play because he didn't. He, he freshmen packed their own bags. He forgot his gym shoes, and you couldn't find a. The story was you couldn't find a pair to fit him up there in in the, in the Laurel Highlands or wherever the hell it was. <laughs> yeah, no. It was a beautiful country, St. Francis, a wonderful school, but we went up there, and, and it's like they won the Super Bowl. It was like 200 kids on the court after they beat us. Like, uh, you know, we were like maybe 19th in the country or 24th in the country. We were top 25 somewhere, Andy, I believe. You were. You can check you were. that. It, it, yeah. it made their season. The only good part of that trip for me was they had excellent lima beans in their alumni <laughs> buffet before the game. I had five or six helpings. <clears throat> Yeah, you went to the electric chair, I'm sure, at a pregame meal. But, uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, – what happened was we they played us a few years before. We couldn't get a date the next couple of years, so we just had to squeeze it in at the end. with was <clears throat> poor scheduling, but yet we had to return the game. And uh, sometimes scheduling is a nightmare, you know, when you're uh, when you're coaching. You don't have – we had some money to have guaranteed games, but, you know, we, we used up all that. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the ones I try to have amnesia in. But thank you for reminding me. I'm going to have some nightmares. Sorry to bring that up. I, all I all I remember of that game was Joe Sundivan and I following a log truck between snowdrifts for 50 miles getting to that place, and this big red flag from the log the log at the end waving in my face. And Sundivan played. He was into his country music period. We found the song John Deere Green on 52 different country stations during. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of almost heaven West Virginia stuff, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> but. It was an experience, but they played great. we got to give St. Francis credit for that victory. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us, and thank you you and Bob Stack for really energizing the Crosstown shootout. I mean, Stack got it going. He was 4-2. and two. You got it going, and uh, you negotiated Bob Huggins and uh, his excellent teams and produced the, the 1990 game, the 1994 handshake game, and uh, all sorts of great memories, and uh, uh, the uh, the, hit, the shootout continues, and uh, uh, the, the legends and the and the great games continue to to roll out. And uh, certainly, you and your nine years was a you were a huge part of uh, making this into what I think is the best college basketball rivalry in the country. So do I, Andy. It was an honor to be a part of it, and to coach at Xavier was an honor and privilege to be at Xavier. Those are exciting times and some great memories, and uh, thanks for helping me revisit them. Big 
thank you to Pete Gillen for that interview. And now we are on to game three of four. This game took place on November 26, 1996, and might be the most memorable finish in shootout history. The famous call from Andy Mack, which you will without a doubt get to hear again in this podcast, when Lenny Brown stunned number one ranked UC at the buzzer. There was also tremendous play from James Posey and our Xavier alum who will be walking us through this game, none other than Xavier legend Gary Lumpkin. The uh, 1996 Crosstown shootout uh, has uh, a special nostalgia for me. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to tear up here or anything, but it was the, the final <laughs> UC Xavier game that I had a chance to call on the radio, and the circumstances were unbelievably, unbelievably positive for the Muskies. Uh, they went over to UC and they played at the Shoemaker Center. I don't know what they call it now, but it's something different every year. Anyway, uh, fine building, yeah. <laughs> fine building, I'm sure. But uh, UC was rated number one in the country, and uh, Danny Fortson appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated with a map of uh, uh, Middle America imposed over his rather imposing uh, physique, pointing to Indianapolis, which was where the Final Four was going to be staged. UC rated yep. number one. And everybody assumed they were going to be, you know, they were going to walk through their schedule and certainly uh, crush the little old muskies in game two of the regular season. Right after I got that, read that Sports Illustrated, I canceled my subscription. I have never renewed it. To heck with those guys. Anyway, <laughs> Xavier went in and played a marvelous game against UC, winning 71-69. It's called the Lenny Brown game. Uh, my son gave me a great line at the end of the game, which we, we will get to later. But the, one of the unsung heroes in this game, the point guard, the, a four-year starter at point guard for the Xavier Muskies, uh, Gary Lumpkin. And, Gary, we're, we're pleased to have you with us. And uh, just overall, give me your memories of, of that uh, memory, maybe the, the, the greatest crosstown shootout in the 87-game history of, of, of that great event. Yeah, uh, well, I just remember that there was a lot of hype. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, talking with you, uh, it was a big game for me because I wanted to uh, right my wrongs from the prior year, my statement about our ranking and that we should have been the top 10, even though we were below 500. And so uh, after playing a summer of summer league and playing against some of those guys over the summer, um, you know, we felt really confident going into the game. Uh, and we knew at that time Coach Plaster had imposed uh, our pressure. Uh, and I'll never forget, we ran a 14 pressure, um, which was a full-court man-to-man pressure. Uh, and, and our goal was to begin to use our speed. We would always say speed is power. And we figured that we probably weren't – we probably wasn't a stronger team in UC, that we were probably quicker, that we were likely quicker, and we would use our speed as our power. So uh, going to that game, we really tried to, you know, do what we call Sherwin Anderson adopted the praise, uh, press to the chest. And we used that throughout that year. Uh, we were really big on pressuring teams, speeding them up, causing turnovers, and, you know, getting up and down the floor. And I think that paid dividends for us in that game because I think we eventually wore, you know, wore UC down. Um, and especially guarding a guy like Damon Flint, uh, I know our big thing with him was to make him go right. And I think he had some troubles handling our pressure. And it didn't happen really into the game when Charles Williams did that ball off his foot, and the rest was history. Gary Lepigan is our guest, and uh, it was uh, your sophomore year after a freshman year where 
the Muskies uh, were 13 and 15, eight and eight in the Atlantic 10. It was sort of a baptismal, uh, a great, a great recruiting group. Gary, you were part of it, obviously. Lenny Brown, your your buddy from uh, the state of Delaware. D. Flight, Darnell Williams, and the, the sort of the hidden ingredient was James Posey. He was uh, redshirted yeah. because of Prop 48, and uh, uh, right. only his second game as a collegiate. He he was the, like the wild card in that uh, in that win at UC. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. James was uh, James was like our X factor, um, and I know that at one point, I don't remember how early it happened in the season, but I know that James uh, decided to take the back seat and be, you know, be a six man, and uh, you know, he wanted to watch the game and see how he could come in and impact it. And uh, I mean, one of the best six men in the country, and of course, eventually getting drafted. So James was James was great for us on both ends of the floor. You know, they always praise uh, Bob Huggins for being a great preparer. He knew everything about the opposition. He actually recruited Posey out of Twinsburg, Ohio. And for some reason, apparently, uh, Huggs was a little overconfident. He must have forgotten how good Posey was. I mean, Posey had a big, a big impress. He made a big uh, impression on that game. I remember he, he, he uh, in the full court press, he would be on the ball. And they had a horrible time getting the ball in play. Oh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, James. James was really with his length and his activity, you know, on the ball and even off the ball. A lot of teams had trouble getting the ball up and down the court, and even if the ball handler got by him, his arms were so long that, uh, you know, when they got by him, he was able to just reach behind him and poke it, you know, poke it forward to one of us. And so we had a lot of those kind of skills also, where we would just bait him in. It, you know, if we didn't trap him. Generally, Pose is coming from behind the back tip or, you know, poke it to one of his teammates. You know, Brad Redford and I were reviewing the UC roster. They were rated number one preseason in the country. They had a heck of a team. I mean, Danny Fortson was a, was, was a huge, uh, active, athletic, big guy. Bobby Brannon from Moeller High School. Uh, Darnell Burton, we uh-huh. mentioned him. Uh, we'll mention him later. Ruben Patterson, Melvin Levitt, the Levitator, the guy who could jump out of the gym. You, yeah. mentioned, you mentioned Damon Flint, who had a, a great four-year career at uh, at UC. I mean, uh, they they really had a legitimate, uh, you know, top ten roster. Oh, they did. They definitely did. From top to bottom, they were one of the toughest teams. You know, one of the toughest teams we faced that whole year. Absolutely. Hey, the game was nip and tuck. You win it 71-69. But uh, UC seemed to have it sort of under control in the last uh, 15 seconds. The game was tied at 69, and uh, the Bearcats had the ball. And uh, uh, circumstances flipped it around and gave you a chance to win the game and avoid overtime and avoid a regulation loss. I mean, there was a little bit of luck involved, but you guys certainly capitalized (laughs) on it. Absolutely. Uh, with about 15 seconds left, I remember Charles Williams dribbling. I believe he was dribbling up the left. Was the left side? It was the left side. And, uh, I was sitting right there yeah. at courtside, and uh, uh, he, okay. made, he made yeah. that error. I don't know if he tried to go between his legs or around his back. He didn't need to, and it went off his shoe out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yep, he was coming up the side. I remember right on the sideline. I was. Um, I don't remember exactly where I was. All I remember seeing is him uh, dribbling up the sideline and the ball going off his foot going out of bounds. And uh, 
I, I mean, I actually didn't know what to think at the time. I mean, I was just thinking, like, you got to get the best shot possible. And uh, Coach Proctor drew up uh, our play, which was called Army. Now, generally, the, the play, honestly, I'm going to correct that. The play was not designed for me. Generally, in that case, the play would be designed for the guy taking the ball out. But in this case, they put Lenny in my position, so he was coming to the top to get the ball, and everybody else was flattened out. And, uh, you know, you didn't even get an assist on that inbounding pass, which, I mean, obviously I it, didn't. It, it didn't qualify <laughs> as an assist because Lenny put it on the floor. But you were the trigger man at yeah. quarter court, as I remember. Yeah. And uh, so Lenny sort of like busted the play maybe, or he got a late word from, from Jeff Battle on the bench. He, he just he took Darnell Burton and uh, basically, uh, you know, drove him down below the free throw line and uh, right at the buzzer hit a 14-foot floater and uh, – uh, you you weren't at all surprised that Lenny knocked the shot down, though. Absolutely not. Uh, you know that was like the second big shot that Lenny Brown that I saw Lenny Brown hit. Um, a lot of people know that we played together. We actually played a year together in middle school. In the when I was in the seventh, he was in the eighth grade. Um, we were on a nine and one middle school team, and then his senior year, when I was a junior, when we won the state title in Delaware. We had a really close game against our rivals, and we were in the quarterfinals, actually, that game. And Lenny rose up, actually, Andy, about the same spot that he hit the free throw, or, or same shot that he made against UC, he made against our rival school to beat them with a little bit of time left on the clock. So they were almost identical shots, from what I remember. And I knew then, I was like, man, Lenny, Lenny's one of the toughest players in the clutch that anyone would ever want. And he was just determined not to let us lose that game. That was a, it was a monumental moment. Uh, my son was a freshman at Xavier that year, my son Brian. And we had talked the night before on the phone, and, and uh, he said to me, you know, Skip and the players and maybe uh, the healer, uh, James Ross, the trainer, were about the only people that believed that that Xavier could go over to Big Bad UC and beat the Bearcats in Clifton. Yeah. And he said, Dad, you got to come up with a memorable line when they, when they knock this team off. And so we kicked around a bunch of lines on, on the telephone. He, he, he didn't want to study, so we talked uh, you know, about, about this. And uh, he gave me, he right. gave me like, here's one. How about uh, UC, number one in the country, number two in their own city. Brown against Burton. Brown starting his dribble. He moves in. He pops up. He shoots. Scores! Lenny Brown! Xavier wins it! The Muskies win it! 71-69! And this the series... UC Bearcats are number one in the country, number two in their own city! It was his line. The, all, wow. I did, all I did was remember it. And you and Lenny and the guys gave me the opportunity with that, that shot at the buzzer and Xavier won it, 71-69. I'll tell you, it's on, it's on more people's answering service, Xavier fans, they use that. I've gotten more mileage out of that, that right? in the last 20-something years than one man deserves. And I, I, I'm eternally yeah. grateful to you and Lenny and Torrey Bragg, oh, wow. TJ awesome. Johnson, one of my all-time favorites, Darnell yeah. Light, all yeah. those guys. That, that, was a, that was a great, great yeah. moment. Wow. One of the best moments of my life, Andy Mack, honestly. Uh, I'll, I don't think I ever played in a game like that since that time. One of the best. You know, and, and Skip did a great job uh, it, both in, in 96 and then again in 99 when the, the Kevin Fry shot went in of uh, preparing 
uh, an underdog Xavier team to knock off a number one UC team. It was like a siege mentality with you guys, wasn't it? With with Skip getting you ready to believe that you could beat this team? Well, yeah. One of the things that Skip preached to us was we always have a shot. No matter who we play, we always have a shot. Uh, and he, he would always stress the fact that God rest his soul, that he would, that, that we would definitely play harder than them. And he instilled that in us. We're going to play harder. We're going to play smarter. Uh, you know, especially when it came to the UC game. Um, and I know that there was a special type of fire with that game, you know, with Bob Huggins being a good friend of his and all. But in that case, you know, there were no friends. You know, there was no liking. It was, and we wanted to rip your head off, and we wanted to beat you. And so, coach instilled at us in every game, but definitely, especially in that. All right, our last game on the docket took place on December 18, 1999. Dickie V was on the call, and Xavier was an underdog once again, this time against another number one ranked Bearcats team. Enjoy this talk with Andy Mack and former Muskie Kevin Fry, who made some big plays down the stretch and matched UC's physical play all night long. We're looking at the, some of the great uh, crosstown shootout games and focusing on the 1990s in this podcast. And... Uh, there are not that many games in the series that uh, warrant the name of an individual player. And I'm thinking of the Lenny Brown game in 96, the D. Davis game in 2015, and I got to think that the Najee Marshall game will be uh, the, uh, the 2019 game of last year. But the other guy that gets his name affixed to uh, a Xavier UC Crosstown shootout is Kevin Fry when uh, the uh, Musketeers pulled what uh, the media said was a great upset of uh, number one rated UC, a team that uh, uh, that featured uh, uh, Ke uh, Kenyon Martin and uh, Kevin. You sort of took over the final minute of that ball game. Uh, what what a great highlight for your career! Oh yeah, uh, it was uh, it was definitely a, a great moment, and uh, you know I get I definitely get asked about it uh, quite often. Anytime, uh, anytime the game comes up, and uh, you know, anytime uh, anybody's talking about Xavier basketball with me, you know, Skip Prosser used to do a great job of preparing Xavier teams for the crosstown shootout. Uh, he seemed to foster this uh, uh, this uh, uh, scenario that it was the Xavier team, maybe the healer, uh, the coaches, the players against the world, and. Uh, uh, what was the preparation like for for this particular UC game? When you you were a, a huge underdog, they were rated number one. Uh, everybody in the world had them picked by double digits, even though the game was at Cincinnati Gardens. What was the the preparation like fr flowing from Skip to the players? Oh yeah, um, you know, Skip, uh, Coach Skip Prosser. I mean, his preparation for any game was uh, was tremendous, and you know, especially this game alone. Um, you know, then coming in at, at rank number one. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had, uh, almost a whole week of preparation to prepare for it. So, um, the game plan, I mean, was, was a phenomenal game plan, um, as Skip is always, you know, known for, and, um, you know, it was really just, you know, up to us to, to go out and execute that game plan. As I remember, uh, Xavier had a pretty big lead at the half. It was like UC wasn't expecting much opposition, or at least they certainly underrated what the, what Xavier had to offer. Uh, the second half, though, UC seemed to get it in gear, and it, it was, you know, possession by possession, a close one right down to the wire. 
Yeah, you know, the, in the first half, um, you know, we ran a 1-3-1 one, one zone that really took them by surprise um, and, you know, really kind of forced them out of their game plan. The, um, you know, the second half, they kind of adjusted to uh, to what we were doing, um, you know, and then, you know, they, they were stepping up and making shots. I mean, they, uh, if, you, if you look at the roster, I mean, they had, I think it was five guys that, out of that roster that, that either played in the NBA or um, had a stint in the NBA. So um, it was definitely a, a talented roster that, you know, really for those guys, I mean, it's just a matter for them of just making shots and, and, and settling down. But we were uh, we were able to hold on and, uh, you know, continue the game plan. We never, uh, you know, we never you know, uh, stopped focusing on what we needed to do, no matter what the score was or uh, even after that uh that dunk off the backboard that Kenya Martin got, um, you know, even with that and the momentum starting to switch, we never switch. We never, uh, we never wavered. So, but Kevin Fry, our guests were talking about the uh, December 1999 crosstown shootout Xavier victory over number one rated UC at Cincinnati Gardens. The final score was Xavier 66, 64, uh, winning at 66, 64. But uh, the final minute was pretty climactic. You, you scored the last four points for the Muskies in the victory. Uh, yeah, that was uh, it was a, a great moment. Um, I just uh, I definitely feel fortunate to make that last layup. Um, you know, initially I, I wanted to dunk it, um, but then um, I, I kind of tripped over. Uh, you know, kind of got a little bit of contact. Tripped on um, my, my feet, kind of got tripped up a little bit, so I ended up laying it up. Um, you know, with Kenya Martin trailing me, it's, uh, you know, definitely uh, at times you can feel fortunate just for getting it on the glass uh, before he's able to get up there and block it. Yeah, I remember you going coast to coast, and, uh, you know, you certainly had the hops to dunk it there, but uh, discretion, yeah. the better part of value, value, you laid it up off, off the glass and in, and, uh, but preceding that, you, you hit the pre- pressure free throws to tie the ball game. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a player's dream. I mean, you get, you know, I don't know how many kids, uh, you know, I know I did, but I, and a lot of kids around the country, you know, and they're outside shooting by themselves. They're, they're, you know, pretending they're playing against the number one team in the country or step up to the free throw line and when they're practicing free throws, um, you know, uh, and say to themselves, you know, we got number one team in the country, you know, we're you know down one or tie game and, you know, make these, make both of these free throws and the game's over. Um, so it, was, it really was, uh, um, you know, a, a dream moment for me that, you know, I just, it just felt natural because of, of this the time that I've, I've put in the gym. Now, the game did not end with that uh, final layup on your part to put X up 66-64. Uh, UC fouled, and uh, Lloyd Price went to the line with 3.3 seconds left. And uh, actually, Lloyd bricked both free throws, but he got he got the offensive rebound to save his bacon to, 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 to <laughs> save being ridiculed and then yeah. he made a great point earlier he he put up a shot off the offensive board so that the, the game clock basically ran out yeah i mean uh, that that was so smart i mean because it, it it really just avoided another foul opportunity and and a chance to go to the line and, and um you know, a couple of plays before that, Ryan Fletcher took the ball out of bounds and, and heaved it full court to Kenyon. He got a, a quick, easy bucket. Um, so there's always that fear of, um, you know, they're making that long pass and have an opportunity to uh, either tie the game or take the lead um, at that particular moment. 
So um, it was actually smart um, to really, you know, get that shot up and, uh, you know, so the clock will expire. Yeah, remember, it was 66-62. And as you say, Ryan Fletcher took the ball out of bounds, 94 feet away. He was a quarterback at Middletown High yep. School and a pretty good basketball player to boot. He throws it the full length of the court. And uh, Martin went up, grabbed it, and dunked it, and cut it, uh, and and cut it to two at that point. Yeah. And uh, you guys kept your cool and and, uh, and salted the game away. And Dickie V, Dick Vitale was doing the game with Dave Sims, and uh, uh, Dickie V thought that UC was going to win the ball game. The whole game, he was you know building up Huggins and UC yeah. uh, going to the Final Four. But he cha- he cleverly changed his tune. And got on your side at the they end did. of the game. He was all he was all Xavier one hundred percent of the time. Yep, he, he he definitely did. And and briefly tell us what you're doing now. I know you're you're into athletic training and uh, and you're still in touch with the game of basketball. Oh yeah, um, I, I um, you know I, my, I have two uh, two boys that are um, into basketball heavily, thirteen and ten years old, and I have a, a two and a half year old daughter. Um, so I spent a lot of my time working with my boys and, um, I'm also, um, I run, uh, various basketball camps and clinics and individual skill sessions, um, as well as, um, coach at the, uh, the middle school where my son goes to and help out at the local high school. So I'm pretty active, uh, in the community and with the game of basketball. Um, it's just something that, you know, it's always been a passion of mine and, and I've loved doing it since, uh, working those Skip Prosser basketball camps. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. I know that I did. Taking a look at the top Xavier moments from the 1990s. I want to extend a big thank you to Andy Mack, Pete Gillen, Gary Lumpkin, and Kevin Fry, all legends from our Xavier community. Stay tuned for next week's interviews, which will highlight the top Xavier moments from the Crosstown Games in the 2000s. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast, and look out for more Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast interviews brought to you by Heartland Bank.